Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Hi, I'm Paul Strap, and I'll be reading from Romans 12, verses 9 through 16. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Paul, thank you so much for reading the scripture today. Appreciate you doing that. So last week we talked about aspects of remembering the story because we're now in the next chapter. For those that might not have been here during all of that time, we, we, read this, we did this study, this program called The Story. And it's basically eight months of reading sections of the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. And we just concluded that recently, and so now we're in the next chapter. It's kind of to answer the question of, now that we've done the story, so what? What, are, what now? What do we do with that information? What do we do with that knowledge? What do we do with that reading that we've done? And so last week we talked about remembering, which of course is not simply to recall. It's to understand that the story is deeply embedded in your life. And to understand your life is deeply embedded in the story. So it's about what does it mean to live the story? Spoiler alert, to live the story is to live a life of love. So last Sunday was Mother's Day, and so uh, Mary and I, I want to take Mary somewhere for lunch, brunch, after church, and so um, when uh, service was over uh, and everybody is out of the room, which by the way, did you know on Mother's Day, this room empties really quickly? Wow. I mean, everybody's out. So uh, I got my phone, go online to this restaurant we wanted to go to, which I knew you could get on the wait list online. It's awesome. So... I, get, uh, I go on the wait list, and it says your wait will be 60 to 70 minutes. I expected that. It's Mother's Day. All of you are already there, right? So we're like, okay, it's going to be a while. That's okay. I had to wrap some things up here at church. We had a couple of little errands we could run, pick up a, a gift card for a niece that graduated high school, you know, those kinds of things. It'll be fine. So we get there, uh, struggle to find a parking place. Uh, we walk over there, there's all kinds of people, you know, waiting, standing, uh, sitting, uh, waiting to be seated. So uh, I go up to the hostess, host, hostess station, and, and I say, and, I, and actually I'm thinking, I'm glad my name's on the waiting list, right? And I say, ah, I'm Jeff Lust, my name, I'm on the list. And they look, and they say, yes, Mr. Lust, uh, the wait should be about an hour and 20, hour and 30 minutes. Uh, uh, I said, but I'm on, I'm on the list, I'm online, and it said it was 60 minutes, and it's 50 minutes since I did that. We're so sorry. Our system is not working right, and there's no way we can fix it right now. And so it's giving people the wrong wait time, and I'm so sorry. So what do you do in that moment, right? Right? What do you do? What do you say? Because 
It's Mother's Day, right? This isn't just some day you go to the restaurant. It's Mother's Day. You want to make mama happy. And, and a lot of these people, of course, they're in groups of 8, 10, 12. The, the brother and the sister drove in to go to lunch together, and we had, you know, there's pressure. There's pressure. You don't want, don't want to tell mama we're going to have to wait an extra hour and a half. Well, there were certainly, you know, some people who were unhappy, and they let the host know how unhappy they were. And people grumbling. What do you do in those moments? See, what we're going to talk about today is to live the story is not, we're not talking about grandiose things. We're not talking about changing the world, you know, uh, this week, today. We're, We're talking about in those kinds of moments. What does the story tell us? What does the Bible tell us? about living it. Because we, if we struggle with those moments, then we're sure going to have a, t- big, a really hard time with those big moments in life, right? So what do you do? So this is what Paul is getting at in his letter to the Romans. Now, I realized when I was preparing just a little while ago, I thought, that's funny, Paul Lestrap read the Scripture, and I'm going to talk about what Paul said. And I'm two different people. As great a guy as he is, Paul Lestrat did not write this. So just make sure and clarify that. So Paul is teaching the Christians in Rome what it means to live this basic Christian life. And, and now he has spent about 11 chapters of doing heavy theology. And he gets to chapter 12 and it's like, okay, so let me just be real clear then of what this means in your daily life. Now, one way to get at this is, to look, is for us to look at the first two verses of Romans chapter 12. And I'm going to read from the, the message, which is a paraphrase. You know, it's not a translation, it's a paraphrase. And so, uh, I love the way Eugene Peterson paraphrases these two verses. He says this, So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted in your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity... God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. You see, what Paul is getting at is our transformation. Our transformation to become different people as we more and more live the good news of Jesus Christ in our lives. And so when he gets then to, to verse 9 where Paul the strap started reading, it starts with love. Love must be sincere, not shallow, not fake, not coerced, not manipulated. Love must be sincere. Now, this, this is very consistent with what Paul has said elsewhere when he, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when he's addressing the, the divisions they have, they're angry with each other and they're arguing and fighting among Christians in the church, and he's saying, this is not what God wants. We are to be together. Diverse opinions, sure but not going at each other. 
So you get to the end of chapter 12, you turn to 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, a more excellent way, Paul says. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not arrogant or boastful or rude. It does not keep a record of wrongs. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. That love is central to living the life God wants us to live. But Jesus said this too. People trying to, trying to stump him, saying, Jesus, what's okay, all of the law of God, put it into one statement. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Fully love God, fully love people. If you do that, everything kind of takes care of itself because you're acting out of love, a love that is sincere. When we talk about love in the, in the Bible, we often, you know, in Bible studies and preachers love to talk about how there's different Greek words that translate into English love. I've said this many times myself, of course, you've heard this, that there are these words in Greek uh, that, that reflect different types of love. So there's agape, right, which we think of as divine love. This is God's love, but it's not simply God's love. It's like it's describing an ultimate love, an ultimate love, unconditional, no strings attached, ultimate love. Phileo is brotherly love, you know, Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. That's that affection and, and care that you have for one another. So, so when you read then in John three sixteen, right, God so loved the world, agape, that he would send his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now, Jesus is tell, saying this to Nicodemus, who has come to Jesus and said, I'm not sure I follow everything you're doing or saying, and I don't quite understand. And so he's explaining all of this. And that's where that, this is from the lips of Jesus. And so then just a few verses later, Jesus says to Nicodemus, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness rather than light. People loved love. In the Greek, it's agape. That people have determined their ultimate love is of the darkness of this world, not the light of Jesus Christ. And so they will live their life by the things of this world. They will love the darkness. That's what, that, that is their ultimate love. Agape misdirected. So in Romans chapter 12, Paul uses both these terms, agape and phileo, and almost interchangeably. It's like they're woven together, like you can't have one without the other. They're, they're stuck together. Jesus said this in, in John 15, no one has greater, no greater love than this, than one who lays down their life for their friends. Friends, love of friends. Paul talks about that too, but it's not just friends. <laughs> no, it's also love your enemies. Paul talks about that in chapter 12. Again, echoes Jesus in Luke chapter 6 when Jesus said, But to you who are listening, I say to you, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Now, during this time, remember that Jesus and Paul were alive was during the Roman Empire. And remember, Roman Empire was not always very friendly to Christians. So the notion of loving enemies had a very real face to it. I mean, real, day-to-day -day enemy. 
I know we here in America, we like to talk about who our enemies are, but I'm not, and I'm not talking about foreign. I'm talking about, you know, here. And really, we can't find an enemy, so we create one. We, find that we, don't, we, we feel like we need an enemy here, so we create enemies to oppose, to dislike, to say things about. I mean, the pandemic's really kind of laid this bare, hasn't it? I'm not talking about just anybody right now. I'm talking about people who profess faith in Jesus Christ. Going at each other about a mask. Going at each other about a vaccine. About closures. About... We're going to have differences of opinion. We're going to have differences of opinion. Bible knows that. Jesus knew that. We're going to have differences of opinion. It's but it's what do you do in those moments? How is it that you interact in those moments? So I remember, this is one of those moments I always think of John Wesley's three simple rules. First, do no harm. Do no harm. So, you know, don't disrespect a person. Don't speak ill of a person. Don't don't um, float around falsehoods about a person. You know, that's one of the Ten Commandments. It's not simply, thou shalt not lie. It's, you will not bear false witness against your neighbor. You won't misrepresent somebody else. First, do no harm. Secondly, do all the good that you can. Do all the good that you can. I can't do all the good, but I can do the good that I can. I will take responsibility for that. That's what John Wesley's saying. Part of living the life, we will do all the good we can. And third, stay in love with God. Stay in love with God. Do the things you need to do to stay in love with God. And those are tied together. Doing no harm, do all the good you can, stay in love with God are all of a piece. In John Wesley's eyes, as he tries to explain what the Bible is talking about, So when I'm standing there at the host station and they're saying, it's going to be an hour and a half, you know, wait. And I'm just kind of standing there, just pause, thinking, okay, what am I going to do? And, and then one of them says, well, well, you could, or you could sit at the bar, it's open seating, and you could sit at the bar, since there's just two of you, that'd be easy to do. Well, I glance over there, there are a lot of empty seats because on Mother's Day, really. How many people sit at the bar? Right? So I, so I said, I don't know, let me go talk to my wife. I go back out to Mary, and I said, okay, so here's the deal. Their system is messed up. It's either it's an hour and a half wait here. We could drive to another restaurant and wait an hour and a half. We could go home, and I could make you a sandwich. Or we could sit at the bar. She says, oh, let's just go sit at the bar. I said, great, let's go. So I told them that we'll just go sit at the bar. So we go, we sit. Now there's their seating. Uh, we get our menus, we're talking, we're, we've got our waters, we're trying to figure out what to order. Uh, they bring us chips and salsa. Finally, we place our order, about 20 minutes. We're not in a hurry, you know. So we're just kind of hanging out, and uh, I get a text on my phone. I look at it, and it's the restaurant that says your table is ready. <laughs> right? Of course. 15, 20 minutes from when I thought it would be ready. My table's ready. Our tra- table's ready. 
So I said, okay, well, Mary, table's ready. You want to, we could move. And she said, oh, we're fine right here. Just, we'll just stay right here. I just thought, God bless Mary, you know, just for lots of reasons. So I, so I said, you know, I'll go tell them. So I go to the host station and I get behind, there's them behind two, two people who are both kind of blasting the hosts. I, you know, it's Mother's Day. They're frustrated. They thought it was going to be this great thing. Uh, so they do their thing. And, and, you know, and I was watching those hosts, both of them, a young man, young woman, and they were expressionless, and they just were like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I understand. I'm very sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, just that's all they did the whole time. One person peels off, another person <laughs> kind of uh, peels off too. So I finally get up there, and they, and they recognized me from before, and they said, oh, Mr. Lust, um, we can seat you now. And I said, no, hang on a second. And I, they both kind of tensed up. They kind of braced themselves. And I said, my wife and I are just perfectly fine at the bar. Seat somebody else at that table. And they're like, oh, okay, great, thank you. And then I said, I know today is a hard day. And people are really verbally abusing you. And I'm really sorry for that because I know it's not your fault. So thanks for what you're doing. Hang in there. The day will be over in a little while. Just, you know, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing okay. And they just, and I could, you could just see them just, and the, both of them are just like, thank you. I don't know if I said the right thing. I don't know if I, I don't, you know, it's one of those moments where I'm not sure what to do. But, but they've been taking a bunch of abuse at, for something that's not their fault. I just thought I'll just try to be a little bit encouraging and carry on with our lunch. See, living the story doesn't mean we save the world. Well, at least not yet. It's about those moments. What do you do then? What with the story? What would the Bible? What would the good news of Jesus Christ say I should do in this moment? And when I think about it differently, well, I might just do differently. And it'll be an act of love. Let's pray. Oh God, we... In our uh, comfortable lives, we so want everything to go just right, exactly the way we planned, exactly the way we imagined it. And inevitably, something goes wrong. Something happens, and we're angry, we're disappointed, we're frustrated. We have differences of opinion about how something should go, how, what, should, what should be a rule, what should not be a rule. We we get so caught up in what we want to see happen that we forget that love must be sincere, that we, that we need to see the people on the other side of that decision, on the other side of that action. We need to see the people who might be paying a steep price and to love those people. God, we know that you intend for us to be a light into the world. And so, God, may our lives be the light of Christ that shines 
into our ordinary, everyday, walk-around life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.